Hold on. Get that timer ready, Gorb. Yep. There's so so many so many apps come on these Gorbulon phones now. You gotta Well that's why you gotta switch. So that's the calculator one, but it looks the same. You gotta switch to the Zerbucken. Oh the Zerbucket? Is that where it's is that where it's at? The Zer the Zerbucket. Zer I think I miss misspoke. It's the Zerbucket. Like you you get a bucket and you reach into a liquid and it figures out who you're gonna call. Okay. Are you ready for your prompt? <laughs> I'm ready. Tell me about the time that he reached into a bucket and then he made a phone call. Go. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, this story does not take place on Earth. This is, this is a non-Earth story. Okay? We start on the planet Fermubulus. Fermubulus 9. Okay? Ooh, not one? Now, Fermubulus 7 and 8 were failed experiments. Okay? And failed in what way? They they were failed experiments because this certain race and species called the Fermub Fermames Fur Fur Baby Fur Babies. The Fur Babies. (laughs) (laughs) The Fur Babies lived on what was it, Fermamulon? Furbunculus seven and eight? (laughs) Furbunculus 9, right? Furbunculus 9, okay. And uh, 7 and 8 were failed experiments because what they try to do is they try to basically, they have this ability where they can create themselves in an image if they all think of the same thing at the same time. There's only like 10 of them, okay? But they start off off amorphous and they, they, you know... They were on for Bangulus. Oh god, I can't remember the name of the planet. For Bunculus, I think it was seven and eight. Were the first okay? They were on for Bunculus seven, right? Mm-hmm. And they were in their yeah. amorphous form. Now, of course, I could go into the details, the evolutionary tract of how they became to be like this, but I don't want to spend too much time on that. It's really not important. I okay? think we just need to know if they look like space jellyfish or not. All well, <clears throat> they're just gaseous life forms. Okay, okay. all right. But if you know, they want to be more than gaseous life forms, but they all ten of them have to mm. agree and think of the same thing at the same time. Okay? Can, can they communicate now, beforehand? On, what happened on number seven, they can communicate telepathically, but it's like rudimentary. It's kind of hard okay. to understand exactly what's being said. Mm-hmm. And whoever's concentrating to the concentrating the most tends to be what everyone else starts to think of. Right? Okay. Yep. So Number five is a real goober, and they don't like him, but he thinks the hardest. <laughs> <laughs> so on, on number seven, on planet number seven, he started thinking as hard as he could about the closest thing that I could tell you is that it looks kind of like a kite. It looks like a kite. Okay. Like 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 a diamond a very thin paper and he started mm-hmm. to think really hard about this okay? okay and then all of the other fur babies started to like think of that exact same thing because his concentration started to take them over and mm-hmm. then for the next thousand years they just floated around in the sky like kites 
And number eight at one point was like, this fucking sucks. sucks. <laughs> I don't want to be a kite anymore. Like, obviously, so it's not really like, a kite. Scratch but you know what I mean? They just hop He's to just, a new planet and start again? Well, yeah. that's that. In order to restart the process, okay. they had to transfer themselves over to the next planet. Okay. But because of the way that fur babies work, one of them has to think really hard about wanting to move on to the next planet and convince all of the other ones to do it. All of the other ones were on board, except for five who held out for another thousand years. So they all hate number five. Eight was like, I fucking hate you, five, and I'm thinking it real hard. But then number five just kept thinking really hard about kites, for lack of a better term. And everyone was like, fuck. So then they just gave in. And here's how they, they kind of like overtook him, right? They were mm-hmm. they, they basically all gathered around and they floated in the same area. <laughs> and number five was like way over there, just flapping up and down in the wind, you okay, know, basically yeah. doing doing the fur baby version of like woo, right? For like at least yeah. fifty years. So they just yeah, like move over. Did they just There's leave like, him in the cold darkness of they, space? They, he 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 doesn't give a fuck about anyone other than himself. <laughs> So, all right, okay. so now we have Planet 6 with nine fur babies, correct? Well, no, we're still on Planet 7, and okay. they are plotting against a number 5, okay? okay. Yeah. And all of all of them start to basically concentrate, okay? They're like, we want to move, we want to move, we want to move, we want to move, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually it's enough mental power to finally overtake number five's continuous chanting of kite, 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 kite. <laughs> okay. And they start to form into basically like uh, it, you know how geese travel in like the, the V form? The right? shape that looks kind of like a kite? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the leading thought bringer for their decided move was number eight. And coincidentally good. enough, they went to planet number eight, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when they're there, they're kind of just like, okay, eight is like the de facto leader, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now, eight, eight is like one of those, you know, in human terms, like one of those people who's really, really competent, but is not good at anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he's like, I have this bright idea. And number five's like, I want to be kites again. And everyone's like, shut up, five. <laughs> And number eight is like, we are going to be rocks. Because they've seen things like that on the other planets that they've lived on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, rocks are pretty uh, Small caveat, doesn't really matter at all. But And I definitely won't mention this later, but whenever they leave a planet, it explodes. Anyway, so they're oh, on okay. planet right. number all eight. Right. All right. <laughs> okay, planet number seven is a, domestic, is a decimated mass off of the further space-time continuum area. Okay. okay. Yeah. So they, they is there a reason they destroy it or it just like happens when they leave? When they leave uh number seven, like the the fur baby number seven mm-hmm. is a complete psychopath. Okay. So he he just he goes into the planet's core and he he licks it and it, it tastes good and then he he burps and then it explodes. Okay. So then they go over to the next planet. 
Okay, so just to number- recap for, for the listeners real quick, we know that number five is completely self-interested and kind of slow, but incredibly powerful. Eight is a narcissist who has no actual skills, and seven is a cold-blooded blooded psychopath, correct? Exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> okay, now we're on planet number eight, and eight is like, guys, we should be rocks. And he doesn't, he, he's confident but he's not like five. He's not going to just use his brain to overtake everyone yeah, else, yeah. right? He wants to continue so, their their cooperation. Exactly. But at this point, they're you know they're 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 believing him because of mm-hmm. his overt confidence. Yeah. So yeah. they're like, yeah, rocks would be great. Let's do it. So all of them start to think about rocks enough that number five is no longer even thinking about kites. Okay. Yeah. And they all turn into rocks. Mm-hmm. Now, if you didn't know this about fur babies, when they become rocks, they stay rocks for two million years. Ooh. Now, <laughs> I I would like I would like dear listener and Gorb for you to try to imagine what it would be like being a rock for two million years. <laughs> is the planet they're on at least? Does it got like scenic views or anything, or is it? Is uh, it it's a lot of clouds. It's like spinning clouds, like like a gas. Gas and I'm giant. guessing they can't really, you know, move away from each other to get some privacy or anything like that. They're just stuck. Last time I checked, Gorp, rocks don't have legs. Okay. All right. Two million years. <laughs> no bueno. So two, two million years go by. And somewhere around 100 years, they lose confidence in number eight. I'm surprised that uh, yeah, it only it took that short. Yeah. They were riding the high for a little while. They're yeah, like, it's yeah. coming. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, How long were they kites for in retrospect? Like a couple of months? Only a couple just... thousand years. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, a couple, a couple of them were like five, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know I gave you a hard time. But it wasn't this bad. <laughs> And he's like, no matter how hard I think about kites, we can't go back. <laughs> so two million years pass, and pretty much by about the millionth year, they stop talking to each other, right? Yeah, a million I the feud runs pretty deep at that point. A million years, five a million and five hundred thousand years go by, still not talking. Finally, two million years go by, and they all pop out of being rocks. Back into fur babies, right? Like the gaseous. Back into fur baby okay. gaseous forms. How much time do I have? You have twelve minutes and twenty seconds left. Great. Okay. Now, finally, after like a couple days of silence, of just like relishing in the fact that they are no longer rocks. Number ten, the youngest fur baby. Mm-hmm. Basically goes, yeah. So that sucked, <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah, they, yeah, it did, and it kind of broke the ice a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. So number ten is like, listen, we've tried number five's way, and that's just like deciding for everyone else. Well, that didn't work. We tried number eight's way, just basically listening to someone we thought was right. Mm-hmm. That didn't work. Now, how about this? We go out and look and see what life forms seem like they're 
fun to be, right? Were they all like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And all of them were like, holy shit. <laughs> this guy's smart. <laughs> I had two million years. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> now, all of them are like, yeah, okay, let's do it. We'll follow you, number number 10. Number 10's like, okay. First thing we're going to have to do is just concentrate on becoming a telescope. We won't get stuck, I'm pretty sure. And we'll use it to look at other places, okay? They all agree. They become the most maximalist version of what you could imagine the James Webb te- Telescope is. Okay. To the max. Just, okay? to, just, to, just to clarify, they've probably like seen a telescope on their travels, right? So they know what it looks like? Uh, no. They just figure it out. Okay, yeah. All right. All right, cool. <laughs> we need a big Their version of one, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And they take a look at Gorbulon. That planet sucks. <laughs> <laughs> they take a look at Zorbulon. Also sucks. They take, and I mean, we both agree. Come on. But then the, the our favorite man. planet. They take a look at Earth, right? Oh. And they see people walking around, Ooh. eating food, skydiving, <laughs> uh, making shirts, war, you know? So they're just like... Well, it looks like a grand old time. Like, this seems interesting. Yeah, why not? And they all kind of come to agreement, like, maybe we should try to look like these humans, right? Mm-hmm. So, they all concentrate on being humans. Okay. Now, the only problem is they're on a they're on a a, a very icy planet that is not habitable <laughs> to anything human like. So, the minute they become humans, they all experience terrifying death. Can they die, or yeah. are they immortal? The thing what? about fur babies is when they die, they're reborn like a phoenix. Oh, okay. But it takes another million years. <laughs> now, they observed humans when they were just becoming like cavemen, right? Okay, yeah. Making now, caveman when, I, when I said one million years for them, it you know, time dilation is weird in space depending on where you are, right? Mm-hmm. Einstein, so, right? science, something. Science. One million their years for them was really just a day for us. Play the intro theme. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. There you go. There we go. Science. (laughs) (laughs) So, science, they, they, they're like, okay, that didn't work. That didn't work at all, right? No dice. But, but we need to come up with another plan. How much time do I have? You have seven minutes and 50 seconds. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so, do you remember what the prompt is, by the way? Yes, I do. Okay. All right. So they are observing, okay? And they decide to zoom in on this one guy, okay? He's a janitor. He's a janitor in Kalepsky, Ohio. Oh, and Kalepsky. Kalepsky, you know what I mean? I know. 
And he they're they're observing it's it's Rob. It's Rob the janitor. Oh, not Rob. Oh. We all know what happened to him. But anyway. Project. Um, before that. Before <laughs> before before we we know. Yeah. Before we have to relive that, you know <laughs> what I mean? Which we know it's coming, but anyway. I was never the same after that. Anyway, continue. Uh, I still remember it. Never forget, right? So I see it in my in, when I close my eyes every night before I go to sleep. Don't remind me. We're not there yet. Okay. All right. Sorry. Anyway, Rob. So they're watching yeah. him, and they they mean well, right? They mm. they they just want to live their best life. That's really what they want. Do they? Except they, they, they basically at... can't die. Yeah. Okay. Do they look at Rob like like another sort of sentient, breathing, feeling entity, or are they like it's just like a rock? They watch them, him right? for like they watch him for a long time, mm-hmm. and they notice that Rob really seems to care a lot about his cleaning bucket, right? Always dipping his mop in there, mm-hmm. using it to puke in, using it. <laughs> To, to take a little poopy in when nobody's looking, right? Yeah. Come on, we all we all do it. But we all, yeah, yeah, we remember Rob. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Shit. Anyway, <laughs> so and what what they decide is like, okay, we need to talk to him, mm-hmm. but but we we can't really figure it out figure out how to do that. So there are, there are theories in science, you know, science and <laughs> if if there is one type of molecule in one end of a universe, if it turns, there's another molecule that will turn, right? What's that called, Gorb? Uh quantum superposition, I think. Yeah, there you go. So it, or entanglement. Actually, I think it's entanglement. They decide to exactly replicate molecule for molecule Rob's bucket. Right, mm-hmm. they can't go to him. It can't happen, right? Rob can't like turn go. into a spaceship and actually waste another couple. Rob months can't here. go to them because time dilation. They would never really be able to exist in the same space. Science, yep. Science. <laughs> so, in <laughs> what they decide to do is replicate his bucket molecule for molecule mm-hmm. and they start to talk to him okay mm-hmm. now human speech is not the same as fur baby speech yeah well, okay? aren't they uh, telepathic or something they are and I've been graciously <laughs> translating for you humans oh. what is the gen- general idea of things mm-hmm, being communicated. Yeah. Now, if I had not translated for you, what is about to happen to Rob would happen to all of you. <laughs> How much time do I have? Grace yourself, Gorb. Uh, you have three minutes and 47 seconds. Okay. Now, what tends to happen to humans when they hear fur baby speech is they start to mutate. Okay. It's just what happens. The human brain cannot comprehend fur baby language. It's just not meant to. It's just science. 
it's just science. So when Rob starts to like hear these things, that's coming the best out of his uh, his human translation correct? coming from his bucket. Okay, yes, yeah. I will do my best to do a human translation mm -hmm. of what is happening and being said to Rob. First, okay. the first thing that's said to Rob is all of the rules of quantum superposition in less than a moment translated to Latin and then translated back to dance groove moves and then translated back to kitten language and then translated back to a slug moving across a log. And he understands that in a minute. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the closest translation I have. Yeah. Now, yeah, all yeah. of that information goes into his brain at once. Rob immediately goes, ah! <laughs> Okay. He uh, tries to get distance from the bucket because mm -hmm. he knows that something is wrong with it. Yeah. And if he continues to hear what this bucket is saying to him, he will not be able to handle it as a being. And he yeah, knows this no, on an instinctual oh. level. Yeah. Okay. He starts to create distance from the bucket. Now, Too this much. begins to anger. Number seven. Oh, gosh. No, number seven. <laughs> now, we know number seven is a psychopath. And what he does is he puts the bucket inside of Rob. Okay? He's like, now Rob can't get away from us. And the other the other fur babies are like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sounds right. <laughs> but to Rob, the bucket became his forearm. Okay, entire front half of his arm becomes bucket. Rob, you know, despite what happened to him later, you have to give him credit. He immediately saws off his arm. Okay, <laughs> he's a janitor, he has access to tools. He goes out to the yard of the facility, the gym that he janitors for, and saws off his arm. Okay. Mm -hmm. 59 seconds. Tourniquets it off. Mm -hmm. And then number five turns him into a kite. And then number seven turns him back into a human. And then number eight turns him into a rock. And then number one says, we will become Rob. So they launch their minds into Rob. Rob's head becomes the size of the sky. He goes, I want to be a kite. And then he starts to dematerialize God, and slowly falls thing. as rocks into the ground. And that is how the call was made from the bucket. Wow. <laughs> that was one of the ones that really took a lot out of me. <laughs> Okay. Oh boy, oh, here we go. You got your timer Are you ready? ready? Timer ready? Oh, I've I've got my timer ready. Twenty-two thirty-three on the clock. Are you ready for your prompt, Gorby Gorb? More than ever. Okay. Your prompt is to tell me about the only one that was born. Go. Ooh. All right. 
So I'm going to tell you all about the only one that was born. Now, let's just say that it happened. I'll tell you that. Um, so it was when I was young. I'm speaking from the character's perspective, not me. Uh, what's my name again? Gorp? Zorp? All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're in Wimbledon, Arizona. Okay. Wimbledon is a hot place. You there, Zorb? <laughs> Sorry. How how Wimbledon. how hot how hot is Wimbledon? <laughs> Okay, yeah. So Wimbledon, Arizona. Keep in mind, it's a dry heat, you know. So for what it's, it's a worth, better heat, better heat, and yeah, it's dry. You would think there's it's there's there's humid heat, there's dry heat, and then there's being in heat. Well, there's also Wimbledon heat, which is oh, is it a special it, type? Yeah, actually, so. Let me tell you a little bit about Wimbledon, Arizona. It's on like a really, really tall mountain that I, I don't remember the name of right now. Um, and <laughs> no typical Gorb. Yeah, you know. Um, and there's a small town. <laughs> what the town needs of, names? Yeah, the town of Wimbledon. Yeah, um, yeah. And Wimbledon is like a, it's not an Amish community, but it's it's quite isolated from the rest of the world because okay. the mountain. Is, is so tall. Um, is the mountain hotter? Well, so the Wimbledon heat... Because there's a name for hot mountains. No, no, no. So it's it's not necessarily hotter. It's just so, so much drier than even okay. dry heat. Like, like, if you... Like you start to feel crispy? Yeah, so it's a combination of the low pressure and the high Arizona Wimbledon mountain temperatures. And if you walk outside with a bucket of water, it kind of just vaporizes. Um, oh, dang. Science, right? Yeah. So, anyway, um, the, uh, about the one who was uh, who was born, the only one who was born, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're in Wimbledon, Arizona, and it's a small town, maybe like a couple hundred, maybe even a thousand people max. And there's there's a uh, that's super small. Yeah. Yeah. It also it but it does host Arizona's premier university for the study of fossilized frogs. It's an important field. It is. And it's a very niche field, so that's why it doesn't really add to the uh, the town's population. How many, how many students are at that university? Right now? Uh, two and a half. What? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So the, a, half, a half a student? Yeah, if you if you if you'll um let me explain for a bit. Yes, of Two course. Students. Um, the the university only specializes on fossilized frogs. One is named Kenny. Um, he's from Massachusetts, and the other one is a uh, Sarah, and she's from New Mexico. The okay. half student was named Brad, but there was like a horrible accident with frog fossil accident. No, it was like you know when you cut. <laughs> Uh, canvas paper, like for art class. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. That you push down. 
I, we, nobody exactly knows what happened, but let's oh, just God. say it went real wrong. He's like, the lower half of him is kept alive for science, so that's why it's two and a half. <laughs> kept alive for science at the university? Well, yeah, at the university. Um, for frog What's the person. name of the university? Wimbledon University. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> they also need to have, like, at minimum... Uh, more than two students to get funding, so they had to really hustle to keep the half alive. <laughs> Wait, the half is alive? Yeah. It's, well... How? Science, again, by Arizona legal state definition, it's alive in this timeline. So, anyway, let me get back to the point. Wait, what, what kept it alive? Science. <laughs> there you go, you got it. Anyway, um... Yeah. It's over now. <laughs> there we go. Uh, anyway, so back to the plot. So we have Kenny, yeah. Sarah, you know, they're, you know, finishing up their master's degrees in prehistoric frogs at Wimbledon okay. University in uh, Wimbledon, Arizona. Now, tuition is not cheap. I mean, let me tell oh, you. Geez. So Kenny is like, I gotta, get a, I gotta get myself a job, you know? Does he have a side hustle? Well, yeah, so he's... You know, Sarah also needs a job, so they're, they're looking for employment, right? Because okay. one of the issues with Wimbledon is because it's so high up and such a dry heat, uh, it's hard to get up and down the mountain, so you gotta get a job in Wimbledon. And yeah. that's how they you gotta get it. Wait, you gotta get a job at the top of the mountain? Yeah, that's where the town is, is the top of the mountain. Oh, dang, okay. No, no. You can't commute. There's no commute. <laughs> nobody Take a really, ski lift. Let me tell you, nobody really leaves the mountain. Um, so that's how they wound up working at Blockbuster. <laughs> Good now, old Wimbledon Blockbuster. Yeah. One of the few remaining. One of the, actually, it, very much so. The reason being that dry heat, it prevents internet access, you know? electromagnetic waves it also helps you concentrate on frog fossils so yeah it's it's the best in the world on that (laughs) anyway so they're at the uh, (laughs) working skipping forward a bit they're working at blockbuster their second term uh sarah's working on her phd on you know frog fossils which happens to be what uh, kenny's working on too brad is master in a semi-conscious state uh he's he's so So sarah's the more advanced frog scholar then yeah she she she, she, out of the two scholars who are still (laughs) conscious she's the better one (laughs) what if you include the unconscious ones (laughs) sorry keep going brad has just been doing nothing but screaming inside his uh remains but he's only his lower half how is he screaming so many things we don't know about the body. That's why, you know, he's there for science. Anyway. <laughs> he's tapping his toes. Yeah, this story's already gone way off the rails. I'm going to try to reel it back in. <laughs> okay, so they're working at Blockbuster. Does Brad work at Blockbuster? <laughs> <laughs> Is he screaming or asking for another copy of Conan the Barbarian? <laughs> So that was a uh, Brad. <laughs> oh God! Um, oh, what you yes. gotta watch those <laughs> Blopple cough score. 
so much. Uh, Brad does work at Blockbuster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, because he was, um, well, in the lab, right? Um, time check. How much time do I have? You have 14 minutes, Gorb. <laughs> <laughs> so because, um, you know, he spent so much time in the lab being, you know, the lower half of a human being. <laughs> a lot of it was uh, when they could finally decode some of the electronic stimuli um, that was coming from the remaining lower half of what was once bread. It was just it's toe crazy. taps. Yeah. No, but they interpreted it as intense existential dread and agony. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, the faculty... Can't blame the guy. The faculty, who none of them are medical doctors, they're actually just senior frog scientists, they were like, you know what would make him feel better? Let's get him a job at Blockbuster. <laughs> so he works the checkout. Worked with everybody um, else. Yeah, I mean, he kind of just like sits in like a glass cylindrical like formaldehyde case at the front. <laughs> Um, and Kenny checks in and out the videos. No. So, so they're all there. They're all there. They're all there. And that's when things really started to happen. So there's this okay. kid, local, local Wimbledon, Arizona kid. His name's uh, Kevin. And Kevin walks in. He's got like slicked black, like back long black hair. He's wearing like, you know, maybe like a black black hoodie how like, old is no he kind of way yeah probably like 13 14 okay yeah and so kevin comes up at the counter and he's like do you guys have the movie flubber um <laughs> <laughs> and uh so kenny's like uh hold on let me check uh uh brad do you know and then they hook up the mic and it's just unearthly eldritch screams uh, <laughs> And uh, they're like, now nah, we don't have it. Um, and then Kevin's like, can I interest you, you gentlemen, in some drugs? And they're like, shit, Kevin, how old are you? And he was like, none of your damn business. Do you want drugs or not? And they're like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know Brad does. <laughs> believe me, Brad does. Now, so Kevin gives them what they presume is weed, right? So okay, they finish their shift at Blockbuster. Sarah, Kenny, you know, and then they also, like, Kenny, like, lifts up. How do they cart Brad around? Yeah. Well, so they have, like, you know, um, a dolly that you use for moving a lot of packages? <laughs> that seems like his formaldehyde tube, because he could easily shatter. Well, I mean, they've got, like, a, they put some styrofoam on it. It's all right. The, the, the university department is like, we brought him back once before. We can do it again. <laughs> There's okay, a... so they're dollying him around. With yes, they're the dollying weed him around. Or oregano. What'd you say? <laughs> I said they're dollying him around with the weed and or oregano. Yes, yeah, but it was neither. Not weed nor oh. oregano. No. Mm. So they, they roll out to the back. You know, Sarah lights up. Kenny lights up. Brad, they kind of just like light it and then plug it into a tube and then start the, the vacuum engine. It's, it's they have a, a process. Yeah. Um, and they're chatting. They're like, you know, yeah, I'm really worried about my frog paper this year. You know, Kenny's like, yeah, I mean, there's only so much we know about those prehistoric frogs. And then Brad, you know, they switch on the mic so he can talk. He's like, yeah! which basically <laughs> means like, 
But that's why we got into this industry to find out more about the prehistoric frogs. Wait, they is like, he speaking they, or screaming? It's screaming, but they they trick themselves into thinking they can understand it and that they're not just eldritch screams of terror, which is what they actually are. Oh, okay. Um, so they're yeah. they're giving him a character. Yeah, it makes them feel better about what happened. <laughs> um. It's like two lonely people on the farm talking to a scarecrow. Except it's half a person uh, being kept alive by various tubes. That'll scare crows away. <laughs> it does work for They rent them out to the local farmers once a month. Um, <laughs> the mic on full blast. It's side note, Brad hates crows. He's terrified of crows. <laughs> and he told the screams people get that, louder. Yeah, he told people that many times before the incident, but... <laughs> Oh god, so if it's yeah. not weed, what is it? So it's hard to tell. So the first couple uh you know minutes go by, they're feeling all right. And then eventually Sarah's like, you know, I'm not really feeling anything. This kid saw some oregano? And uh, and Kenny's like, nah, nah, nah we we'd be tasting up his oregano. They're like, I don't know, it tastes like weed, but there's just nothing coming. Uh what do you think, Brad? <laughs> and they were like well said, buddy. Let's go home. <laughs> and then they wheel Brad, you know, back to the uh, the Fred. Do they live on campus? Uh, yeah. So Kenny and Sarah do. Okay. Brad lives in the underground research facility. Um. Okay. Yeah. Time check. You have nine minutes left. Okay, so I got some time to fill here. Yeah. Now. Let me give you a little bit of backstory. We're going to pull away from Kenny, Brad... Flashback. ...and Sarah for a second. Not necessarily a flashback. We're just pulling away from those three characters. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into Kevin. Let me know when I have four minutes left. Okay. So Kevin was born in Wimbledon, Arizona. He fucking hates his life. He hates his family. This shit sucks. It's so damn dry here. You know, he... He slicks his hair back with water in the morning to look cool for school, and he pops outside and it just vaporizes. It's not good. Not the hair, just the water. It gives it like a very free... Yep. It's brutal. Bad professor look. Yeah. He wants to go to FIT and like sort of major in fashion. He's really into... It's just not the right place for him. Yeah, um, he needs to get out of this town. So, and because of that, you know, when he was young, you know... Kevin didn't really fit in, didn't really get along with anybody else. So he used to go walk sort of a little bit further up the mountain. So the town mm. is like near the top. Nobody really walks to the top because it's so damn dry up there. It gets um, even drier? It gets so much drier. Starts like, hurting your gums. Yeah, hurt, oh my god, your gums, your skin starts peeling. It's brutal. Um, yeah, brutal. Anyway, um, yeah, so Kevin would go up there sometimes, you know. Just sit out there, look around at the entire southwest United States below him. Mount Wimbledon is very high, mind you. Um, At least he's got a nice view. Incredible views. And it was around one time when he was maybe like 12 or, you know, maybe almost 13. that he went up there and he wasn't the only one. Mm. Now, who else was up there? So when Kevin was 13, which is, a, a bit, I guess, about a year before he sold them the drugs, that was also shortly after Brad's accident. Hmm. You want to know what was at the top of the mountain? 
Who? The upper half. What? So because the upper half was more complex, you have more complex organs, like the heart, like the brain, all those things. The scientists were like, we can figure out a stomach and some legs, but a human brain? Mm -mm. Just put it up at the top so it'll be a mummy, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, Kevin walks up there, and there's the upper half, like separate around mid-stomach waist of a man who uh, he had seen a couple times at the local blockbuster. Um, but <laughs> not like, alive? Yeah, he's definitely not. Well, that's what you would think. Mm. Now, as Kevin gets closer... Because he's like, I feel like I gotta call somebody about this. Yeah. What he thinks of the mummy, it winks. Right? And that is how Kevin... No better way to mummify but to get things dry. Yeah, I mean, it's real. But what a lot of the scientists didn't know is that the mountain, because it was so dry in science, you know, it it would bring things, it would reanimate things. Kind of like a movie maybe similar to Pet Cemetery. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so time check uh five minutes and 40 seconds okay so kevin would come up to the mountain and he would chat with brad brad was nice to him brad grew up in like new york right so like he had mm. seen more he's been outside the village yeah, he's been outside Wimbledon, you know and he could talk to kevin about things you know explain things they developed quite a close friendship it was around a couple weeks before the blockbuster incident that Kevin mentioned that did Brad know they had his lower half down still in Wimbledon? Yeah. And Brad was like, that shit's fucked up, man. And Kevin's <laughs> like, what should we do about it? I feel like... We Why can't Brad go down? Well, because he, he, he's still just an upper half of a torso and it's like a whole, you know... If he gets part. less dry, will he just like turn to dust? Uh, it's magic dust, so he's okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to go into all the science around it right now. Um, but yeah, he's all right. Um, he's very okay. thirsty, though, so Brad has to go up a lot to bring him water to rehydrate. Um, okay. Yeah, but anyway, time check. Uh, four minutes and 30 seconds. Okay, cool. So I'm going to start looping it back into the main story. So yeah. Brad... Uh, he Kevin would come up, give him water. He let Brad know about his lower half, and so Kevin was like, "What should we do about it? I feel like they should like kind of put you back together." Yeah, that seems like I don't know, maybe something that's worth a shot. Um, yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, why not? And Brad was like, "Listen, Kevin, I need you to go pick some of those flowers growing up mm. near that rock over there." And he was like. The ones that kind of look like weed? He's like, yep, those are the ones. <laughs> <laughs> those and ones. He's like, Kevin, have you ever wondered, you know, how I'm alive as a talking corpse? And he was like, nah, I don't really think about it that much. You're kind of cool. Um, it, he was like, well, you should, because it's disconcerting, and it's because of the flowers. <laughs> you should so, probably think about that. Probably Be more careful, Kevin. Jesus. All right, now, <laughs> now we're back to the main point. Yeah. Sarah, Kenny, Brad. They're sleeping. It's the night after the blockbuster incident. Time check? Three minutes. Okay. So Sarah and Kenny are having this wild dream, right? You know, they're still asleep, right? But yeah. it seems that whatever that plant was is taking effect. And in this mm. dream, 
they're being pulled apart by some sort of, you know, wretched construction paper cutting machine and then separated for what seems to be an eternity oh, on, damn. Top, on a very tall mountain and another top and like a formaldehyde case. Um, and you want to know what Brad is experiencing? What's that? Brad? He wasn't feeling shit. He was just screaming. Um, as per the usual. <laughs> <laughs> Time check. Same. Uh, two minutes and 20 seconds. Okay. So, Brad was insane. But the next morning, Sarah and Kenny woke up. And they were like, did you have a weird dream? I was like, yeah, I had a fucking weird dream. What the fuck was that shit? And so they find Kevin. They track him down. Kevin yeah. tells them where he got the plant. They go up to see the plant. They find Brad's upper half. They're like, shit, this is fucked up. Um, <laughs> and before they rush back down to go tell somebody that there's like a, a mummy zombie up there, when they see the plant growing out of the rocks, there's this uncontrollable urge to eat as much of it as possible. Mm. Time check. One minute and 40 seconds. Okay. So... Sarah and Kenny start devouring the whole patch of grass, right? Oh, dang. Grass. Grass, yeah, the, the, literally, yeah. Um, <laughs> and they just can't stop. They need more. So they start scouring the whole side of the mountain for any of these patches of grass. And I'm fast-forwarding a little bit, but the prompt was, tell me about the only person born. Was that correct? Yes. yes. The, only, the only one who was born. The only one who was born. So that grass was a sort of mass hallucinogen, um, and, and it sort of spread and caused mutations. Long One story minute. short, um, that incident uh, sort of created sort of maybe like a, a zombie-like apocalypse. Um, <laughs> skip over that a bit. But there was one person who it did not affect. And somebody would that? say that he was two people, and he mm. was the only person born of that trauma. Oh, that was a shit. (laughs) (laughs) That was a bad one. (laughs) No, it was great. I think, like, with with the ones that go totally off the rails, it's just, it's it's an adventure, right, Gorb? Oh, it was definitely an adventure. All right, (laughs) let's play us out.